hello, ciao, bonjour, and welcome to the Network Insider podcast, where you can get the inside scoop on what Cisco is innovating, launching, and creating in our networking space. Today is a pretty special episode because we've got experts from Intel and Cisco to talk about how this partnership is delivering a better quality of experience for remote workers. My name is Jasmine, and I'll be your moderator for today. I want to take a quick second and just introduce our speakers that we have here. And Matt, I'll come to you first. Who are you and what do you do at Cisco? Well, hi, Jasmine. This is Matt McPherson. I'm the CTO of Wireless over at Cisco Systems. And uh, we look at the next generation of wireless technologies and how to apply them in ways that uh, really make it simpler to connect, learn, play, work, and uh, really get about your day. Cool. Thanks, Matt. Great to have you here. And Eric, I'll swing to you. Um, who are you and what do you do at Intel? Hey, Jasmine. Uh, thanks for inviting me. It's exciting to be here with you and Matt today. So I'm a VP of the Client Computing Group at Intel and the GM of the Wireless Solutions Group. And me and my team are responsible for the products and the business uh, around putting wireless products into uh, Intel platforms, uh, laptops, uh, tablets, and, and desktops. So I'm um, excited to be here and talk about some of these things with my good friend, Matt. Cool. Thanks, Eric. Great to have you here. So let's get started. The first question I have, you know, at the beginning of this global pandemic, we've heard a lot about business continuity and, you know, helping businesses going as usual and keeping on as usual. And now we've kind of transitioned to talking about business resiliency and how businesses are trying to get back to the new norm. Matt. I want to ask you, what is the difference between business continuity and business resiliency? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure, I'd, I'd love to. And, you know, it, it's um, some of the folks may have may have heard me use this story before. But, you know, I was uh, I was watching a video uh, the other day and it was a teacher and they had uh, all their students. It was a first grade class. And what happened is, unfortunately, the teacher lost their connection. And you, you kind of saw the panic on all these kids' faces. And one little boy said, well, you know, she didn't even say goodbye. And, you know, one little girl said, well, she's coming back, you know. And, and so they were kind of chatting. And then eventually the, the teacher did. They got their connection back up and they came back. And, you know, that's just one example of, you know, what is this new normal? Um, what is it that we have to deal with? How do we maintain productivity uh, given what's going on with COVID? And, and so when we when we look at that and we we look at the experience that we have today, it's a it's a bit of a challenge. You know, a lot of us work at home quite often, and so we've become experts at doing that and setting up our home networks. And but a lot of us, you know, when we worked at home, we we, we were checking email. Uh, we we'd go in and we'd get our our laptop from the enterprise, and we'd start up our VPN, and we'd go check our email and. Um, we do a couple of other things, but if, if you're working from home all the time, you really need more than that. You, you really need what we would call uh, business resiliency or this capability of, of having this resilient experience even while you're at home. And uh, in the case of that, that teacher, she could have had a connection that just took over when the primary connection went down. When you're home, your experience should be just like it is when you're at work. When, what do I mean by that? Um, you should have the same policy. You should have the same security. The network should provide analytics so that the IT department, if there is a problem, can troubleshoot it. And so we go from this, hey, I need to casually connect to my office and do a couple of things to, hey, I need to be 
productive. I can't be fighting with the network. It needs to be just there. It needs to operate and it needs to work just like it did at work. Same SSIDs, same security, same protections. Um, and that's really the difference between uh, what we would call business continuity in being able to connect and really business resiliency. Cool. Thanks, Matt. Um, I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. I think you're so right. Like being able to connect to the network before we had a shift to this work from home lifestyle, it was a little bit easier. Like, you know, you had to do a couple of things here and there, but now with families that have kids who are, you know, juggling working from home as well as teaching them, I think that's just one thing that shouldn't be on their plate fighting with the network. Um, And I think the network should be easy, the easiest thing to connect to. So I'm so excited to hear more about it during our conversation. Um, kind of switching gears here, Eric, I'll come to you now. Um, with so many businesses and organizations shifting to a completely virtual workforce, and some are returning back to a regular lifestyle, do you think remote work will be permanent? Or what are your views on that? Well, I think um, that's a really good question. I think it's a question, you know, almost everybody is asking themselves and every corporation is asking before I get into to, to full details, uh, you know, on, on kind of my thinking, I just want to share my experience. And, and I think this is uh, probably a shared experience with a lot of folks that are listening to this. And that's that I've personally, I've embraced working from home and doing all of the things I need to do for work at home in a, in a kind of phased basis. You know, at the beginning, it was just okay, I, I just need a quiet spot that I can have a phone call and put my laptop on a plastic table and, you know, get, get some work done. After about three weeks, that was pretty uncomfortable and not very productive. So, you know, I went and found a, a bigger monitor, right? And that helped for a few weeks. And then, you know, I, I was used to two monitors at work and I found myself, you know, 12, 13, 14 hours a day sitting at that little plastic table. So I got a bigger desk and I got one... Uh, an additional monitor. So I ended up with two monitors and a desk. And then I went and got a better chair. And, you know, pretty soon now I'm, you know, outfitting the, my daughter's uh, bedroom uh, that uh, she no longer uses because she's married and I'm using it as my office. But I'm pulling, pulling out the bed, pulling everything out and making a real office out of it. So I think that's kind of the experience a lot of people have had in, in trying to, you know, come up to to productivity uh, in working from home, and it, it's it's kind of a process. But I think what we're seeing in the marketplace and what we're hearing from corporations is that a large percentage of people, as much as 30% of people, are going to continue to work from home even after COVID's over, even after the you know you know the office can open back up for most, if not all, employees. That there will be a, a significant percentage that continue to work from from home. So these problems don't go away. We still need to be able to to provide, you know, the type of network and the type of experience that that Matt uh, mentioned in his answer a few seconds ago. Yeah, I think it's interesting, Jasmine. If you if you look at some of the numbers, our good friends at IDC have shown us that pre-COVID, about six percent of the workforce uh, did a normal full day uh, at home. Right now, uh, as we're going through COVID about 52%. So you see this dramatic shift. A lot of people had to start dealing with this change on how to be productive uh, and how to have all those meetings and all those contacts and what they would normally do shift into that home environment. And as as Eric had pointed out, they're they're showing that it could be 30, 30 plus percent 
even after COVID that will continue to operate in this way because there are efficiencies that that come with this. Um, there's efficiencies uh, that you don't have to get on the highway. You can pretty much just walk into your office. Um, there's efficiencies in going between meetings that would have normally been between buildings or or with uh, um, some of your partners. And the fact that you can just move between these in an efficient way, um, you do get some productivity gains as, as well. And you see some shifting costs going from uh, the cost of having somebody in a in a building and what it costs for that square footage versus uh, what's working at home. So, you know, this experience with COVID has really driven a new look at how some of these companies are going to operate going forward. And it's going to cause the enterprise to look at how they, they need to facilitate this type of connectivity for their employees going forward as well. That's a really interesting take. Um, thank you for sharing that. I think we were talking a lot about how people are starting to transition to this work from home lifestyle and corporations are seeing some pros and some cons to it. Um, but I kind of want to get into our IT teams. What are some major challenges that they're facing while these employees and remote workers are working from literally anywhere? Yeah, I'll go ahead and, and, and jump in here. You know, look, when you're at the office and the IT department is setting up a network, it's a, it's a very well-known environment. Uh, they know the size of the building. They know the density of the APs that they need to put in. What they'll do is they'll go in and they'll do an RF study. Um, they, they know approximately how much traffic uh, is going to cross that network, how much mobility they need to account for. And so when it comes to um, deploying, managing, monitoring, troubleshooting, uh, these things have, have uh, been optimized and they've been tuned and the IT departments are very good and you know exhibit a lot of expertise in providing that very productive digital environment to the employees. And now what happens is that you you go into this work in, or this home environment and a lot of that is unknown. Um, you send out an EP to one of your employees and they put it somewhere. Um, is there a lot of interference on that network? Well, you really don't know until that AP comes up. Was there an RF study done for that particular apartment or home? Well, probably not. Um, how do you get the data back? Um, how do you know that your network is secured? How do you know that you're getting the best delay characteristic? How do you know that the end devices are uh, connecting successfully and not con uh, constantly disconnecting? So there's a whole new set of challenges when it comes to that uh, orchestration, that automatic capability of being able to just put in a, a home environment and to have it work well, how you deploy it, very different than how you would deploy it at the office, how you manage it, how you monitor it, and can you get that troubleshooting information. And so that's really what we've been focusing on, um, some of those key areas with our good partners uh, like Eric over at Intel and, and his engineering team. And what we're doing with the uh, the next generation of work from home and some of our wireless solutions. Yeah, I'd add to that, Matt. That that uh, we I think we've gone from a, a point at the beginning when this you know first started this this you know almost mass exodus from the office to the home where IT departments and managers just like the rest of us were were reacting, and we're now in a place where you know the. As you point out, they were in a very known network when we were at work and, and now to a very unknown network when people are at home. And initially, a lot of the pressure was put on people, right, in individuals. I, I can't tell you how popular I've become at Intel uh, for people asking me how to, you know, fix their home network woes and, you know, get them to a place where they can, 
you know, be productive. And, you know, one of the, I guess, uh, unintended uh, consequences of, of this, you know, mass exodus of the workforce from the building to the, to the home is that you're now got multiple uh, mission critical things going on in any given time in the house. You've got one and, and sometimes two or more working from home and they need that, that continuous connection. You've got uh, a lot of times children educating from home, which has also become very mission critical. And then just connecting to your friends, relatives, and others to, to feel connected in this you know, time and, and world that we live in, which is also critical. And in order to do all of those things, you, you can't rely just on home network you know, folks or your favorite friend that works at Intel or Cisco to you know, get you the help you need. And IT managers can't roll trucks and go out to you know, solve you know, home network problems. So there has to be something in between that allows people to get what they need to done and support the, the, the mission critical nature of the things that we're doing at home and, and the security, privacy, and policies you mentioned from a corporate, uh, corporate network standpoint need to exist so that those things are segmented and protected in a way that allows IT companies or IT departments to feel comfortable with what's happening and for people like all of us here to be productive at home and have the security and, and capabilities that we need and, and make it seem like we're just on the corporate network in the office. Thanks, Eric. That I think is a great segue to learn how we can help our remote workers continue to be productive. So let me kind of switch gears. And now that we've talked a little bit about the pandemic and how it's changed the way we work and honestly, our whole entire lifestyle, I want to talk about the different solutions that are helping this remote workforce stay productive and stay innovative. Matt, I'll come to you. Um, What is Cisco doing in the networking space and what kind of solutions have we been able to kind of create for these businesses and remote workers? So, so Jasmine, you know, not... It's often the case where one size doesn't fit all. And what we wanted to make sure is, is that we offered a, a a complete solution or a family of solutions that could address some of the problems that we've been talking about. So Cisco has a, an offering we call Cisco's Remote Workforce Network Solutions. And it really uh, represents two different solutions. One solution, the wireless solution, is really, I think, probably the most straightforward implementation that you could do. In this case, what we do is we send out um, really a more intelligent AP um, than what you would normally just put up there and and manually um, configure and manage and, and troubleshoot. In this case, what happens is that you get two different kinds of experiences. One is the experience for the employee that's working from home, and the other is the experience of the IT administrator. So let's uh, let's say the employee is uh, Teresa, and Teresa needs to be able to effectively work from home. And and of course, uh, say the IT uh, administrator is John, and he wants to provide the best experience that he can. And so what happens is that the the company orders an AP. In in this case, they would order uh, an AP from Cisco. We have we have a couple of different uh, APs that you can use. Um, we've got some that are specifically focused on work from home, like the ninety one oh five. And they would ship that out. And it doesn't have to go to John now. It doesn't have to go to the IP admin, administrator because normally you'd think, well, don't you have to configure that AP and set it all up before you ship it out to, to Teresa and her house? Uh, but in this case, you can just go ahead and order a brand new uh, AP. That AP will, will show up at Teresa's house. She unboxes it. 
And she literally takes that and she plugs in the Ethernet port to their cable modem or their fiber modem or whatever their broadband connection is. And she powers it up and the rest happens automatically. It uses plug and play. Sometimes we call it PNP. It goes out into the cloud. It, uh, it discovers um, the company that is associated with that access point. It goes to the uh, company's um, configuration manager. And then the, that configuration, that policy is all pushed down into that device. And then everything that you have at work, you now have in the home. You have the same SSID. All the devices that you have, whether they're, they're authenticating with a certificate or they're authenticating with the pre-shared key, anything that has been connected at work that you're now using at home will just also automatically connect. Exact same experience, exact same level of security, exact same level of policy. Now, what did John have to do to make this all work as an IT administrator? Well, basically, when when they ordered that AP, that AP has, a, has an identity. It has a unique identity. And because it has a unique identity, they can map it to their network. So what he does is he goes into this centralized management system and he configures that AP. He says, well, this is the policy that I want for this particular worker in this particular department so that when that AP is powered on, it can load that configuration. Now, say you get a mismatch here. Say what happens is that Teresa powers on her AP before John's had a chance to configure it. Well, in that case, what will happen is that the AP will come on and it'll notify John. He'll get a notice on his, his uh, management console um, that's run out of the cloud. And it, he'll be told that, hey, Teresa's turned on their AP. They're looking for their configuration. And then John can, can say what policy for her department should be pushed. And it'll just go down and it'll push that configuration. So you can see that this is very simple completely automated, but completely capable when it comes to a security standpoint and when it comes to the, the all the policies that you would want to have while working at home. Now, we offer a yet even more sophisticated solution. In this case, it's the remote workforce routing solution. And in this case, what happens is that we use a, a, a more sophisticated platform. In this case, it's a route platform or an ISR and what this can do now, it's got wireless built in, by the way. So when I say router, I mean a router with, uh, with built-in uh, wireless. This can actually take advantage of the ability to do SD-WAN-like and SASE-type functionality. So in other words, what you can do now with this is you can find your shortest path through the network. You can get the best delay characteristic. And you can even provide failover-type capability by doing a backup connection, say, through LTE, or 5G. So in that instance where we were talking about that teacher, what could happen, what could have happened there, I don't know why she lost her connection. I don't know if she lost her broadband or, or what specifically happened. But if you lose that main broadband connectivity, then what that router will do is it'll recognize that immediately and it'll flip over to that backup connection again, which could be LTE or 5G. And that session would have just continued. So maybe a slight burp, but the, but the, the that classroom full of first graders never would have seen their uh, their teacher drop off and got all concerned about what happened and why she abandoned them. Um, it would have just kept on going. And so for these types of solutions, you know, think doctor, think stockbroker, think mission critical, think important things like teachers and classes where you want to maintain that high level of uh, resilience, uh, that business resiliency. Um, for a work environment at home. So we got a couple of different flavors here. 
And uh, these flavors can provide that the level of solution that you need for your particular business. That's great. And it's so good to see that Cisco is creating different solutions um, to fit everybody's needs because you're so right. Not one thing can fit everybody's needs and criteria. So um, that's really cool to see what Cisco is doing. Um, Eric, what about Intel? What is Intel doing to help businesses and remote workers stay afloat in this unprecedented time? Yeah, we've got a, you know, several initiatives that we're, we're working on. First and foremost, you have to deliver a, a great foundational product, right? Both hardware and software. And at this point, we're delivering uh, the latest solutions for Wi-Fi 6, which allow almost two gigabits per second capability over the air. And that is uh, not in a lab. That's that's over the air type, type uh, capabilities. So with the right AP um, or router in your home, um, you can you can reach those speeds. And in addition to that, we are providing capabilities on the client that allow quality of service, um, prioritization. We recently announced and, and completed an acquisition of a company called Rivet Networks that allows for a home user or in a business user to get the best possible experience in a network environment to uh, anticipate some of the challenges that can exist in in that environment, for example, you may have a, a multiple AP scenario at home through a mesh network. And as you move your uh, computer to different places within the home, you typically will stay on, on, on an AP that you originally connected to. When in reality, there may be one that's a better, better suited for what you're doing. Maybe there's less traffic. Um, maybe it's got a better capability than, than the router that you're on. You can you can swap over to that other uh, router and and uh, get a better performance, and that's done uh, without user intervention. So we're innovating in a variety of ways, and um, those are some of the things we're doing, you know, on on the client side to help the connectivity experience to be the best that that can possibly uh, be delivered at, in the in the home and in this trying time. In addition to that, we're doing a lot of work with Cisco and working on how our products work better together. And this isn't new, right? We've, we've always worked together on these types of capabilities and have some, some of the, the deepest co-engineering engagements to, to look at um, how we implement the, the features that come in the standard as well as those that are optional in the standard. And then we, we'd like to innovate and look even above that on ways that we can enhance um, a person's experience whether they're in the office or in the home. And we really enjoy that deep partnership to in, engage in that way and allow us to make these products exceptional when, when people buy them and put them into, into use. Eric, I think you read my mind because my next question to you both was, you know, I wanted to know, I wanted to know more about this partnership <laughs> and how this collaboration is um, and how and why this collaboration is important during this time. So Eric, I feel like you had a role going there. So why don't you continue and tell me a little bit more about the partnership and how it's different than some other partnerships that we see across the industry? Yeah, I think I think the the way I would describe it is that um, we have mutual interest and opportunity to and and real cohesion in the types of things that we do. Our our products. On the on the Wi-Fi side, for example, in in enterprise, are we we have over ninety five percent of the enterprise clients are working on Intel Wi-Fi, and then Cisco obviously has a huge footprint. So the combination of our two uh, company um, working together is a very natural partnership. 
So the the type of things that we're working on are, you know, next generation access. How do we how do we work together to uh, whether that's a, a you know Wi-Fi six or a five G um, access capability coming in? Um, how do we work together to make sure that um, whether you're at home or in the in the enterprise that that access is seamless and and easy and just works. You know, we're also working on location and analytics. There's a lot you can do if you know where you are in in relation to uh, the network, um, how far you are for something, how close you are for something, how many people are in the room, for example. Those are the types of things that we can look at and work on and, and are working on at this particular time and implementing policies and capabilities that make that, that work well. And then there's a variety of, of other areas where we continue to work together that, you know, assurance and automation doing, uh, and these are things that Matt, I'm sure we'll go into more detail on, but assurance and automation where you can do device-based analytics, uh, diagnostics, make sure you understand the, the state of the network as well as the state of the client and, and how um, the two are interacting and how to improve that, that interaction and connection. So those are just a, a, a couple highlights of the things we're doing that will have benefit to uh, this this work from home capability. Yeah, I mean we're I mean you, you know it's always it, it's so it, I got to tell you it's one of the greatest experiences working with Intel because they got these and just these incredible um, engineers and they're they're not only looking at the current generation but they're looking at the next generation and so uh, you know we do a lot of innovation. Uh, with these guys, because we're looking at some of the things that are coming down the pipe and, and um, you know, how we can really address some of those new demands. But, you know, Eric hit on a, a couple of really key ones because, you know, look, how do we make sure? I mean, when we start talking about this business resiliency and we start putting in new technologies, Eric was talking about Wi-Fi 6. That's a big new spec and that's pretty new out there. And, and we're in many cases, we're just getting our feet wet and we're putting that in the home, but we still want it to be resilient. Well, you know, uh, Cisco and Intel, we've been working on on Wi-Fi 6, good grief. I mean, it goes back years. And uh, in fact, we've been doing interoperability for a very long time. Um, when you have a new specification like that, you often interpret that specification a little bit differently. And uh, there's a lot of gaps and there's a lot of different ways that you might implement some of these features. In fact, uh, we found um, well over 60 critical issues in in that specification and how you might interpret it and how a device and an Intel chip would work with an AP. Um, and because we're doing that early testing, that means the customers don't have to deal with those types of uh, discrepancies or, or those types of bugs. And so we're optimizing it so that when you light it up in your home, it just works. Uh, the other one that, uh, that Eric brought up was this assurance and automation. You know, we're always at Cisco uh, collecting information from every point in the network. Uh, we collect it from the AP. We, we collect it from the switch that the AP is connected to. Uh, we collect connect everything. I mean, the aggregation switch, the core switch, if we're going over the WAN, we collect it from the SD-WAN router. And so all of that information means that an IT department knows exactly what's happening, how traffic is flowing, has it been secured, um, is there mischievous behavior going on in the network? Um, and we like to to uh, look at that from an end-to-end -end perspective because, you know, there's a lot of different places where a failure could happen or someone could break into your network. And so you really do have to look at it from an end-to-end -end perspective. But, you know, look, in working with companies like Intel, we extend that now, that end-to-end, -end right out to the device. 
some of the work that we're doing with Intel is pulling uh, analytic information right off the chipset drivers. So it's one thing to say that, hey, the network perceives the user experience as this, but now we can actually pull information right off the device where the device tells us what kind of experience the user is getting. Is it is the device disconnecting? If it is disconnecting, why did it disconnect? Is the signal strong? Is the signal weak? And if you can do those types of things, you can do really some cool next generation type capabilities. For example, how many times have you been on a call or you've been using your phone and it's a Wi-Fi call, you walk out to the garage or you walk out to your driveway or, or you go to get in your car and what happens? It drops the call, right? Well, now we can actually monitor that RF signal. And as that RF signal gets weak, we can trigger a handoff to LTE so that you can maintain that connection as you're going in and out of doors. So these types of next generation experiences, again, you know, I mentioned it earlier, we don't want to fight with the network. We don't want to make IT administrators of people that are trying to work at home. We're trying to implement this in such a way that we can apply machine learning, AI, analytics coming from the network, coming from the device, so that the network can resolve these problems for you, provide the best experience, provide that resiliency you would expect while at the office working from home. And so these these are the types of things that uh, that we're doing. And, you know, we've done some really cool stuff. I'll let Eric talk about this a little bit when it comes to IoT. You know, IoT kind of pushes the edge in some cases where uh, real time and delay really matters. You know, think robotics, think industrial, uh, things like that. And as we develop those technologies, they're working their way into the home because as you do real time things, it becomes important for collaboration. It becomes important for AR, VR but uh, we did a really cool demo together using a robot that I'll, I'll let Eric talk about just to demonstrate some of the capabilities we can achieve um, when working together between the, uh, the network and the, that, that end device. Yeah, Eric, we have a few minutes left in our time today. So if you want to tell us more about what Matt just spoke about um, and just kind of give your biggest call to action, I think that would be a great way to kind of start to tie things together. Sure. Yeah, glad to. So, so I, I think there are a couple of things that, that came to mind as, as Matt was, was speaking. And, and one of them is just, a, you know, it's a pre-COVID moment, but I think it's important to, to stress the, you know, the type of relationship we have and how we work together. There was a, there was a time in the, in, in the development and, and getting Wi-Fi 6 ready to go on both the, uh, the router and access points as well as the, you know, clients that we needed to, you know, do some, some serious engineering work. And, and I remember a time for a week or two where in the Intel labs, we had Cisco people, Microsoft people, and Intel people all together working side by side to engineer through those issues and, and challenges that, that Matt brought up, right? The over 60 things that came up as we tried to look at how we each implemented uh, the standard and, and optional features that we wanted to, to put into this product. And that type of engagement is just, there's, there's no way to replace it. When you have that kind of engagement with, with someone like Cisco and, you know, we're able to get Cisco, Intel and, and Microsoft three engineering centric companies together to do these kind of things, good things happen. So, you know, one of my favorite moments is just watching all, all these smart people in a room, you know, solving problems uh, to make our customers happy. But uh, Matt also mentioned, you know, some of the IoT work that we're doing on on Wi-Fi six. You know, there's a lot of discussion in the in the world today about, you know, how five G connects everything. 
and how it's going to change the connections that happen and how every device you know, can have a connection of some sort. But as you look at the premises of 5G and the coverage, the densification and everything that needs to happen to deliver on all those premises, Wi-Fi becomes a, an inherent part of delivering on that 5G promise. And so Intel and Cisco have taken this very seriously and we're working together uh, very cohesively to make sure that we engineer together products that work in, in really complex network environments like an industrial uh, location. And as Matt said, we've we've been demoing the real-time low latency nature of Wi-Fi 6 and the and the capabilities that we can bring. And one of those demos was um, we, we had a, an engineer that was outfitted with appliance, if you want to call it that, that connected to his arm and, and to his hand. And he was able to move, when he moved that appliance, he moved his hand around, he could actually grip a, you know, a cup of ice or a cup of water or whatever and grab it, pick it up, move it, dump it. And he would mimic the what the robot should do. And in real time, without delay, the robot arm would mimic exactly what, what the engineer was doing. And this was uh, co-engineered together with, with Intel and Cisco, implementing features and capabilities on Wi-Fi 6, as well as some of the Wi-Fi 7 features like time-sensitive networking that allow you to drive those latencies down to a point where, you know, it can it can work in that fashion and, and not see a delay. And we actually implemented some of these capabilities together into a, a real industrial place, Minas Aerospace. And we did real work in a real factory environment together where Wi-Fi 6 was seen performing in an extremely noisy, dense, complex building and performing real-time tasks, things that needed to happen without delay. And, you know, the Wi-Fi 6 implementation that we put in was able to withstand and, and perform brilliantly in a really tough environment. So those are the kind of things that we've, you know, we've been working on and doing together. And um, I guess the last thing I'd share is that we're also doing the same for Wi-Fi 6E. You know, back in April, the FCC opened 1,200 megahertz of, of new spectrum in the in in the Wi-Fi space, the six gigahertz uh, space, and you're able to to utilize that spectrum. It's very clean. You know, no other devices are in that in that spectrum. And so, as a group, we've spent, as Matt said, years on Wi-Fi 6, and we're also spent years ahead of 6E, and we're at a point. For Intel, we're, we're delivering our first 6E client solution at the end of the year, and we're working again with co-engineering with Matt on, on their 6E solution so that we have access to and can utilize this new spectrum. And all of us had to make bets three years ago before the FCC had even decided to open up that spectrum. And, and by the way, we're seeing that spectrum open up in Europe, and we're now also, uh, South Korea announced this week, that they are also opening up all, all of that spectrum to unlicensed uh, use for Wi-Fi. So we're excited to, to not, as Matt said, we're working on things years out, and uh, we're excited to continue that. Yeah, one of the things I would say, Jasmine, is that, you know, we look at something like industrial IoT or medical-type implementations where real-time is, is mission-critical and could even be, if you weren't able to achieve it, could it even be life-threatening? Uh, you want to make sure that you're moving robot arms in time. But what does that have to do with working from home? Well, I can tell you what it does, because what happens is that when we do these very, very challenging RF environments, 
we learn. And what we learn is to uh, make wireless work and be resilient no matter what. And it, how many times have you been in a call just like this where you've talked over somebody because there was so much delay between you speaking and someone else? Well, those are the things that we're trying to do here, right? Is we're, these real-time type capabilities means that the overall experience is better and better and better. Um, it's more secure. Uh, it's it's less delay. It's higher bandwidth. And what we're really doing is we're getting the network out of the way of you getting your work done. And that's what we really want to do. We want to make it so intuitive and so simple that uh, that your experience is really focused on what you're trying to achieve, whether it be work, whether it be uh, doing your schooling at home, um, whether it be playing a, 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 a game and you want the lowest lag because <laughs> you want to be competitive. Um, those are the types of things that we're doing to make that experience better. Love it. Honestly, that was just such great thoughts. Um, and it's honestly just so amazing to see such big leaders in our industry joining forces to help businesses through these complexities to make it easier on that parent at home to just connect easily or to help hospitals or industrial companies, you know, move through their normal day-to-day processes and build back and be more resilient and to help those remote workers just continue to be productive. But I am really excited to see what we'll keep doing with Intel and Cisco's partnership in the future. And I'm so excited to see what this technology can evolve to. Yeah, so really great conversation. Just thank you so much, Matt and Eric, for joining us today on the Network Insider. And I just want to give a quick shout out to our listeners. Thank you so much for listening and giving us a reason to keep recording these great episodes. If you'd like to learn more about all of these different solutions, please visit cisco.com slash go slash network resiliency. And also check us out on soundcloud spotify apple Podcasts, and stitcher and give us a little follow and until we get back into the network ciao and happy podcasting